With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Prevent Defense, the podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is the Prevent Defense podcast from Radio.com Sports. I am Elliot Shore Parks, along with the one and only Brian Baldinger. And of course, you can listen to us on the Radio.com app or wherever you get all of your podcasts from. Baldy, a lot going on this week in the NFL. So much so that we picked five games that I think are probably the best on the schedule. A lot of games with different playoff implications. We have the Cowboys at the Patriots, the Packers at the 49ers, Seahawks, Eagles. Eagles maybe fighting for their playoff lives. And then Ravens at Rams. Rams also really kind of fighting to remain in it. So I definitely want to get into the X's and O's and all the different elements of those games. But before we get going with those, I wanted to talk to you about the Miles Garrett suspension. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about it really yet on the Prevent Defense podcast. Uh, you know, obviously it took place last Thursday, and since then a lot has come out. Miles Garrett, uh, you know, the, the suspension was upheld. He's going to be suspended for the rest of the year. Mason Rudolph uh, alleging that, um, or Miles Garrett alleging that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur. So a lot's been going on. But before we kind of get into the exact details of it, I just want to get your overall thoughts over the last week, your initial thought of when it happened and kind of where uh, where you're at now with it. Well, I'm okay with what has happened. I mean, it is intolerable. And part of, you know, I mean, it, it was an, as ugly a scene as we have seen in an NFL game in a long time, Elliot. I don't really know what the comp is. You know, I know Hainsworth stepped on Albert on Andrew Garrod's uh, face and helmet, and I know Indomitian Sue kicked – you know, but this was this was worse. This was a video clip that went viral immediately. And it was so shocking that it was almost kind of hard to put it in words because we've never seen anything like that ever. Um, it's 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 almost like Rudy Tomjanovich just getting punched out by Kermit, you know, uh, Washington. I mean, it, it, it was just a couple of incidences in the history of sports that rivals anything like we saw. And I, I feel like I know Miles Garrett, and I know some people have come to his defense, and he is a mild-mannered guy. He's, uh, you know, he's he is a different person off the field than he is on the field. But that's, I mean, that's just a game of football. But part of being a professional is being able to control your emotion. And he simply couldn't control his emotion, and it got the best of him. Now, there's, there's always consequences for your actions, especially – when they are as violent in action as he portrayed. And so that's where I'm at with this. Like, I, Part of me says it's a one-time thing. I don't think we'll ever see this something like this again. But you can't dismiss anything that we saw and lighten any kind of a sentence. And I think there is, there is some push that this may still carry over into next year. Wow. And it would be warranted if it is. However, there, you have got to be able to control your emotions in this game, period. And, and that's just true in life, you know, whether it's a domestic violence dispute or whatever. I mean, you have to be able, it's part of being a man, part of being a grown-up, part of being a mature adult is being able to control your emotions. And he couldn't do it. When I first saw it, my initial reaction was very similar to yours, that this is one of the more outrageously violent things I've ever seen in, in any sport, honestly. Mm -hmm. And so then it, it moves to the discussion of, outside of just a suspension, should there be any legal action taken towards Miles Garrett? And at first, I thought that's pretty ridiculous. But then I thought, Mason Rudolph right now is trying to lock down the job as a Steelers long-term quarterback. There's a lot of money involved in that. If he were to play at a high level and win that job, you're talking potentially, I mean, definitely tens of, tens of millions of dollars. And if he plays well enough, a lot more than that. Miles Garrett is lucky that when he swung that helmet, he didn't hurt Mason Rudolph worse than he did. No. If he would have, God forbid, fractured his skull, God forbid, you know, split his head open or something, then I think you really could have gotten to the point of legal issue. So I say to myself, does it matter 
to a certain degree that he didn't hurt him more? Yes, it does. But I think the intent is still there. And look, Miles Garrett, he's the he's the I think the president right now of Chris Long's foundation. Chris Long was a man of the year last year. Like Miles Garrett off the field Mm -hmm. is to what you said. Mild mannered, great guy. But in the heat of the moment, he lost his cool. And in regular life, if you're a great guy, you do something wrong in the heat of the moment. That doesn't matter what you're like mm-hmm. outside of that. If you make a mistake, so I do think Miles Garrett's suspension should be held in the next year. Um, I think this is, you know, one of the more gross things I've ever seen, and it's. I, I believe the suspension should carry in the next year. I think there's, uh, you know, when this video got replayed on a loop, like it did over and over, and every, I mean, beyond sports, right? I mean, it was in yeah. the news. It was it, it was in every page of a newspaper and every part of a newscast. There is a there's repercussion to that. I mean, there's people that say this this game is great. We, we can't have I mean, it affects kids, you know, like how do you how can somebody act like that? You know, I mean, if Miles Garrett can take somebody's helmet off and just crack him over the head with it, I mean, is it OK for, you know, somebody in sixth grade to do that? I mean, that's I mean, they're so impressionable. Yeah. And so I just think the the visual of it was just so stark. And like I said, I had never seen anything like that. I've seen a lot of violent things in the game of football. I've never seen that before, where the, the helmet, which is used to protect the head, became a real weapon. And so I think there's part of Miles Garrett that has to feel lucky that there isn't an injury that became of that. And, he, you know, he's going to have to think about this like every day during the suspension while his team tries to rebound and see if they could get into some kind of contention, the AFC, whatever. But like the, the problem with miles right now is this will travel with them every single game for the rest of his life. I mean, it might be a year from now, but if he throws a punch at somebody in the heat of the battle, if he does anything, hits somebody late out of bounds, um, dives in the back of a quarterback's legs. I mean, this will be brought up immediately. He's a violent player. He's a dirty player. Like you can't, it's hard to shake those titles when something is so visual like that. And that's, you know, something that he's going to have to really deal with. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard for him. I also thought that the narrative that Mason Rudolph quote unquote started it was kind of unfair. Like Mason Rudolph was involved in the beginning of the altercation, but to say that Mason Rudolph did anything that warranted that kind of attack back is is ridiculous. Like if they would have just gotten in a regular fight, then you can say, okay, Mason Rudolph was involved in it. But I don't think anything Mason Rudolph did should be discussed when talking about why why Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett did that. Now, if Mason Rudolph used a racial slur, as Miles Garrett has has alleged, that's a different discussion. But until there's any evidence that that happened, I don't think you can really factor that in when talking about this. So. Another crazy week in the NFL. It seems like there's always something going on that Goodell has to deal with. And I know this time uh, it was James Thrash involved in making that final decision. But on the field, we have five really good games this week. And Baldy, I know on the field is your specialty. So I'm very excited to hear you break down these matchups. I want to start with the team I saw live last week, the New England Patriots. They have a visit from the Dallas Cowboys, who I saw earlier this year as well. And to me, just from what I've watched them, this feels like a Dallas Cowboys win to me. I think the Cowboys are playing. I honestly, I just think they're more talented than the Patriots are in, in almost every way. Uh, Dak Prescott's playing better than Tom Brady is right now. The Cowboys have more talent on their roster, in my opinion, than the Patriots do. The main difference is head, difference is head coach, and I think that matchup is where it's going to get really interesting. Well, I, I mean, all that all that is true. Um, this is Dak's team. This isn't Zeke's team. This isn't Jerry. This is Dak's team. He is the undisputed leader of the team. He is a great person. It's hard not. I don't care what fan base you are. It's hard not to like Dak Prescott, the person and what he is. I mean, he is a poised, under control general that understands the game that has improved and he has a dynamic offense. He's going up against the league's best defense. We saw you saw it last week firsthand. I mean, they can just and, and, and what. I'm anxious in this game to see and to study is every single thing that Dak, Kellen Moore, Jason Garrett, and the Cowboys have studied from the Patriots, whether it was last week against the Eagles, whether it was against the Ravens, pick a game. They're going to see a different defense. They are the, I was, I was talking to a general manager yesterday and talking about the Patriots. 
And they are the definition of positionless football. They have more guys that can do more different things. And really, that's where this thing is all going. Can Stephon Gilmore go cover Zach Ertz in the heat of the battle? Can Stephon Gilmore go shut down Amari Cooper during a game? He could probably do all those things. We have seen him. He is the best chess piece in this league right now. But it's the same with Devin McCourty and Kyle Van Noy. And so I'm anxious to see how the Cowboys move the ball and can they finish and score. The Eagles couldn't do it last week. Now, the, the, the Cowboys have a better offense than the Eagles. So they're going to have more opportunities with more players and more weapons to do that. And I'm with you. I think this is the Cowboys game that they can win because the offense of the Patriots is just and, – and look, you saw Tom Brady. He was as depressed as you've ever seen him after that game. And it was a win and the ninth win. But he's depressed because he knows this offense has very little juice. And there just isn't explosive plays. And there's a limited run game. And there's just limited things that he can do. So if the Cowboys want to take a stranglehold, not just on the NFC East, but in the NFC, this mm-hmm. is the game to make that statement. So my thing with the Patriots is I just I agree their defense has obviously put up crazy numbers this year. And you're right, Stephon Gilmore is playing at an insane, insane level right now. I still don't think they've proven that they're an elite-type defense that I can trust every week. They went against the Patriots, I mean, the Ravens, who are playing at a high level right now, don't get me wrong. But they went against them, and they had a bad game. Against the Eagles, they played very well. But let's be honest, the Eagles' offense is kind of like a JV squad right now. They're not being coached well. They don't have a lot of weapons, and Carson's not playing at a high level. Now, the Cowboys, I don't think, have a great—they've been struggling on offense. But the Patriots are probably going to see more talent on offense— this Sunday than they have any other week this year. I mean, they, they opened against the, the Steelers when Big Ben was still there. But outside of that, they haven't played a lot of good teams. So when I watched the Patriots, I saw a defense that is good but hasn't really been tested. And I saw an offense that's really bad. I mean, their base, their whole game plan to me, it, it seemed, was just to check the ball down. And that was it. They, they could get nothing going down the field. Brady can't sit back in the pocket because the offensive line struggles. So I think to your point, the you're right. The Cowboys can definitely prove something this week in terms of being one of the class of the NFCs. But I think this is a good chance for the Patriots, too, to prove that they actually are a legitimate contender. I know their record says they are. But in terms of actual on-the-field play, if they can beat the Cowboys team and kind of mucky it up and play an ugly game against them, then I'll have more belief that they can once again go to the Super Bowl. But until then, I still think the Ravens are, are the absolute class of the AFC. The Patriots need to prove a lot more to me. Well, I mean, look, they won a Super Bowl 13-3. to They can play ugly games, and their defense can make it. They can keep the, – the, what the defense can do, Elliot, is they can keep them in the game and allow them to just play field position, you know, try to, you know, get a, a turnover, um, get field position on a, a special teams, kick field goals. I mean, they, they can stay in these games and play the style of football you saw last week at Lincoln Financial Field because the defense allows them to do it. Now – the Cowboys haven't gotten off to fast starts, and then people, well, you got to start fast. Well, I mean, Zeke fumbles on the second play, and, you know, they get sacked on third and two at the two-yard. I mean, you know, the, the, the part of this is execution. So, but it's just difficult to prepare for the Patriots because they do things differently than any other team. So you can go out there at, uh, at the Star in Frisco, Texas, and practice all you want against Patriot looks. It just, they just do things different game day that you mm-hmm. can prepare for. And I got to see how Dak responds. Does Dak, I mean, is he a big moment Dak this week? Um, We haven't seen, we've seen very little from Zeke. He's got one explosive run all year. I don't think you're going to see a lot different from him. So it's, it's on Dak's shoulders. And I thought he played great against Detroit last week. Um, And I think he's played at a high level most of the season, but this is the ultimate test for him and the Cowboys. Cause I've heard Jerry Jones say, this is a Super Bowl team. I've also heard Jerry Jones say, Boy, if we could just win the division, we could get a home playoff game. I, I mean, I've seen them at both ends of the spectrum all year long. So the biggest mistake the Cowboys are making right now is not re-signing Dak. And I know this is something we could talk about every week until it's done. But you mentioned it. I mean, Dak is playing at a great level right now. He's definitely a guy you want to build the team around. I mean, personality-wise, he has everything you would want from a quarterback. Uh, just even when Orlando Skandrick went on to rip the Eagles – on uh, FS1, one of the things he mentioned was in comparing Carson to Dak, how much Dak is a natural leader. So it's so silly to me that they haven't 
signed him to a long-term deal. And every time I watch him play, it becomes more and more confusing to me that they haven't broken the bank to make this guy their franchise quarterback. Well, I think, um, first of all, the season is a difficult time to really get into that. And just think about all the people they have paid. They paid all their offensive linemen. You know, whether it's Travis Frederick or Zach Martin or Tyron Smith, they paid Zeke. You know, they paid Jalen Smith. I mean, they paid Demarcus Lawrence. They paid a lot of people here recently. And Dak is going to take even more resources to get done. So I just think they're going to have to clear some space. And I, I don't think it's going to get done till the offseason is over. And part of it will be how Dak plays in the postseason. And what is he? Is he the highest paid quarterback in the league, the next one up? Because that's usually what happens. Or isn't he? You know, I mean, if they get bounced out of the playoffs at home, I mean, after getting beat badly by the Rams a year ago, I mean, there's going to be some push to say, you know, maybe he's just not built for the postseason, which is how you measure these guys. It would never happen, but it is crazy that Dak is risking maybe $100 million every time he goes out there on the field. I mean, he if he plays really great this Sunday, they beat the Patriots, and then he goes out the next week and tears his ACL. Like, he's literally risking almost $100 million every time he plays. So I, I just think that's such a confusing situation to me, and I understand that they've paid guys, but none of those guys matter the way Dak does. So I just think it's been a complete mismanagement up to a certain point with the Cowboys. And if they get it done, and I think they will, then maybe it won't end up mattering. But it still is just so weird to me that he hasn't been paid. But I want to touch on one more thing before we move on to the next game. You mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. Still just doesn't look good. One explosive play all year. And talk about paying guys. That's going to end up looking like it might be a mistake. But should they shift their offense to, I don't want to say completely stop featuring Zeke, but should they be more of a Dak Prescott offense now than Ezekiel Elliott offense? Because I still think in time, in certain spots, they've shown with the game on the line in these close games, they, they're still going to kind of lean towards Zeke, and it really hurt him against the Vikings. It did, and that's the big game, and it hurt him against the Jets. And so uh, I, I think this is Dak's team, and I think even on third and one situations right now, you may see him spread them out and just let, you know, let Dak create and see who can pop free. And where he wants to go with the ball. Um, you, we saw Tony Pollard, you know, run a play last week for a touchdown. They cleared out. They made the play for him. It wasn't Zeke in there. I know Zeke caught a touchdown pass as well. But, I mean, Tony Pollard is a talented player. And I said from the very beginning when I saw him in, pre, in training camp this year, they're going to need Tony Pollard this year. And it wasn't because Zeke was holding out. I just think, like, that style of runner that is really elusive and can really play in the slot and is a good receiver in the screen game, like, that's a valuable weapon right there. And you may see more of him. Not because Zeke isn't – I mean, I just think when you miss training camp, you miss a lot. And who knows what kind of shape, you know, Zeke really is in compared – because he doesn't look like the same player to me. He doesn't He doesn't have the same cuts. He isn't – I don't see the explosive pops. I don't see him – they've gotten him 20 carries in most games at least. And I don't see those fourth-quarter runs where – you know, as the league's most punishing runner the last three years, guys just stop wanting to tackle him. And you just don't see that right now. So before we move on to the next game, I'm picking the Cowboys in this one in the upset. I know going to New England is a very tall order. I've been in that stadium for big games. I've seen how tough it is to win there. I just don't think the Patriots are clicking at a high level right now. And if the Patriots play the same brand of football, the same – and you're right, they play a different style each week. But if they play the same – type in the way that not having skilled players on offense and the defense having to carry them. I think the Cowboys are good enough on offense to outscore the Patriots simply because they have way more talent on offense than the Patriots do. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys in this one. Well, I've seen the Patriots shut down um, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Rams in the postseason when it counted the most. Um, and I think this is how they are built to play the game. And you know Brady is not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to give them any extra possessions. And so I think the uh, the Patriots, this is their style of game. I don't know how ugly it's going to be in Foxborough Sunday. I don't think it makes a difference. But I think this is field position and defense all the way. And Brady will do whatever he can to try to help out. Might not be much, but I think the, the, Cow the Cowboys, I think, will struggle offensively against this defense. Now, all right, you're picking the Patriots. I'm going Cowboys. So we have our first disagreement. But the next game on the schedule, speaking of defense – Early on when we were doing these pods and early on in the season, we were both blown away by the 49ers defense and how well they were playing. 
And over the last three games, they're giving up an average of 26 points per game. They lost to the Seahawks, and they have two very close wins over the Cardinals. The 49ers arrow, to me, seems to be pointing down a little bit. Garoppolo's playing better. The addition of Manuel Sanders has helped them. But, two, like I said, two very close wins over the Cardinals and a loss to the Seahawks. I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about the Niners, mostly because of the way this defense is playing recently. Well, I think that, you know, the running game has disappeared in the last three weeks. And you could tie it almost directly to the time when George Kittle, you know, got hurt. And he's been out the last two weeks. And also the loss of Matt Breida. I mean, those two guys make this running game more explosive. So they've exclusively been relying on Garoppolo here. I think the 49ers have proven one thing all year long in getting to 9-1 is how resilient they have been in the law in the face of, you know, injuries. Um, they've lost a lot of really good players. I, 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 I like this 49er team just because they keep showing ways to kind of overcome the loss of players and overcoming five turnovers against Pittsburgh and all that kind of stuff that they've done. And so I think they're just a more complete team. I, I like Jimmy Garoppolo a lot. I know he's not the elite quarterback in this league, but I know this. The guy is absolutely fearless. He is loved by his teammates. He'll stay in there and take a hit. He competes like heck. Um, you're going to see a lot more Debo Samuel here. Uh, if if Kittle gets on the field, the guy doesn't drop a ball. I think mm-hmm. the offense will get pretty explosive here when you see that happen. And I, I like the 49ers um, you know, this Sunday night. How, how do you see their defense – or sorry, the uh, 49ers offense matching up against the Packers defense? Because early on, the Packers defense was playing at a high level. They've, they've slipped a little bit. I mean, they allowed only 16 points to the Packers, but the Packers – I'm sorry, the Panthers. But the Panthers are struggling on offense. They gave up 26 points to the Chargers, 24 to the Chiefs, 24 to the Raiders. So they've kind of fallen off a little bit. What are you seeing from the Packers defense, and how do you think they match up with the Niners? Well, Mike Pettin likes to play a dime defense. Blake Martinez is the one linebacker. They like to play with six defensive backs, and they will stay like that for almost all game unless you run them out of it. And that's up to the 49ers. I mean, 49ers see the same thing. And so if they want to put extra linebackers out there, which slows them down and they prefer not to do it, or extra defensive linemen, then you've got to run them out of that. And that's that's really what the 49ers are looking, I think, at doing. And I think they're capable of doing it. And when they... Because the, the Packers have not been good against the run, but that's the reason why, is they're just undersized and they prefer to stop, you know, the ball from going over their head and giving up explosive plays in the passing game. It's a, it's kind of a poison that they have chosen. So I'm nice. anxious to watch personnel-wise what the Packers draw out there. Now, early in this year, they were getting a lot of sacks and a lot of turnovers, and it really has kind of stopped uh, or slowed down. But that's what they were kind of predicating their defense on and we'll see if they can get back to that because Garoppolo has thrown interceptions and 49ers have turned the ball over. So let's see what Jair Alexander and, you know, Darnell Savage and some of these guys do and Adrian Amos on Sunday. The Packers, for me, have been a tough team to figure out. On one hand, I look at them and I say, okay, Aaron Rodgers, obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the league still. I know we just talked about the defense and, you know, some of the issues they're having, but I still view them as a, a pretty solid defense. When I look at the Packers and, and their overall record, I say they must be, I should view them as one of the top teams in the NFC, but I still think of the Saints ahead of them. I think of the Vikings ahead of him, the, the Niners. I would probably even pick the Cowboys over them, even though they beat them earlier in this year. Where are you at with the Packers? I mean, do, do you feel like you have them figured out? Do you view them as one of the class of the NFC? Well, I just think it comes down to, you know, how on I know Aaron Rodgers has crazy good stats, but the offense to me is it's really Aaron Rodgers gets the ball in his hands. And in the first two seconds, if somebody doesn't pop open, he kind of dances and buys some times and gets on a bicycle and like a boxer in a ring and just sort of buys some time to see if somebody pops open. And then mm-hmm. he uses, you know, his talented right arm to, to, to laser a ball in. And that's kind of how the offense moves, and it's—I don't think it's—I don't think it's really a great offense. They—they they like to use Jimmy Graham and Aaron Jones in matchups, which is smart. Um, and you will see how the 49ers match up against those guys in key spots. But I see Aaron Rodgers taking a lot of hits, playing that style, holding the ball a long time, and I don't know that you want to do that against this pass rush of the 49ers. I mean, I, I think this is a game where Nick Boza has got to show up. 
Daniel Bakhtiari, the left tackle, has been a good player in the past. He's been great in the past. He doesn't look like a great player to me right now. I don't think Brian Blog is a great player. I mean, I think it's a game where the 49ers pass rush has got a feast, and they've got to be sharks in the water getting after Aaron Rodgers. So I agree with you. I think the Niners win this one. Um, I, I think they get, get back on track a little bit. But this could be an NFC Championship preview. It definitely could be. So a couple games on the schedule this week I think could be previews of matchups we'll see in the playoffs. But before we get into our next game, which might be the best of the week, or certainly the one I'm most interested in being here in uh, Philadelphia, Seattle at the Eagles. Before we get into that, Baldy, I wanted to remind you that hiring can be a challenge. And as Codable co-founder Gretchen Heber discovered – it can be a challenge. Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team, and that's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. And that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, Baldy, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. You can see why ZipRecruiter is effective for all businesses of all sizes, and you can try ZipRecruiter for free at our website, ZipRecruiter.com enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. In Baldy, this week, the Seahawks come to Philadelphia. This game originally supposed to be in prime time. The Eagles do not very often get bumped out of prime time, if ever. I mean, they're one of the elite franchises in the league. They have one of the biggest media markets. So I was very surprised this game got bumped out, even for a matchup like the, the Packers at the Niners. And I think it shows where the Eagles are right now. The NFL and prime and, the, and you know uh, the primetime audience they don't trust the Eagles. The Eagles were in primetime against the Dallas Cowboys and they got blown out. I think there's a, some potential for, for that as well. Before we get into this matchup though, I want to talk to you about Carson Wentz. Carson to me right now is the biggest problem with the Eagles' offense. The receivers are an issue. The game planning can be an issue, but when your quarterback is not playing at a high level, it doesn't matter to almost doesn't matter what's around you. I went back this week and I watched every throw Carson's made this year. And his accuracy is a major problem with this offense. It impacts the way they run the offense. It impacts their ability to sustain long drives. Carson needs to play better for this Eagles team to get out of the 5-5, five and five, you know, 500 funk that they've been in. I don't disagree. I mean, there, there was plenty of opportunities last week, especially on third down where they were poor last week. I think they were 3-13. You know, whether it was to Mac Hollins on a double move on the outside or on third and 10 at the end of the game with a minute to go to Zach Ertz against Stephon Gilmore. I mean, those are plays that you just have to make. I mean, it's not really any excuse. I mean, you just have to make those throws. Now, Carson is um, – I'm just waiting for Carson to relax and just play the game. Like, his great plays come when he has to do some magical Houdini act like he did getting the ball to J.J. Arcega white side out of the end zone. Like that's what we kind of, we put those highlights up of Carson, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's great. That's great. You know, Lamar could do that and Aaron Rodgers can do that. And it's great to have highlights, but it's about consistency and what you're talking about. And there's just something missing from just being able to drop back and just throwing a simple out on timing, get the ball out of your hands. It should look easy. It's four years now in the same offense. I do think that he tries to actually do too much in in basically trying to read the whole field. I mean, you don't need to read the whole field all the time. There are times if they really take away what your intent was on the play, a high-low combination, and they just take it away, and they jump it, and there's just, you got to go. You got to go someplace else. But you don't need to do that every, every play. You just don't. You, there's certain things that you just got to take. Now, part of the problem I see is they don't have a lot of weapons. But I I think Doug is part of this, too. I think that there is – sometimes you just got to go after the weak link in a defense. And I I don't think that J.C. Jackson of the New England Patriots is an elite player. He's a good player in their scheme. But 
Like, why wouldn't you put Miles Sanders against him? We know Miles Sanders can run routes, that he's got great quickness, he can separate. Like, why wouldn't you match him up at times? And why wouldn't you try to create more matchups rather than just run this offense? And that's what they they fall in love with. Let's run the offense. Well, there's going to be guys there in Seattle this week that are weakness. you got to go after them. And I don't think they do that enough, but it i I, I got to get back to your Carson point. Carson has to be better. How much of this do you think is Carson just not seeing the field well? Because you mentioned how he tries to kind of look around the whole field, but I wonder how much of that is him not knowing what he's looking at beforehand because the best quarterbacks you see, they, they diagnose before the play, and then they're able to get the ball quick because they know what the defense is doing and they know what their offense is running. To me, Carson, whole, he, he has one of the longest time to throw uh, times in the league. It takes him a while to get rid of the ball. But how much of this do you think is the receivers not getting open, and how much of this do you think is Carson either not knowing what he's looking at or just trying too hard to, to, to press? I think just he's just pressing way too hard in everything right now, Elliot. And, you know, he played his best football when John Filippo was here. And John only coaches one way, really hard. That's why he got bounced out of Minnesota. I mean, they needed a buffer between him and Kirk Cousins. Now, John, I'm not saying John is an elite coach, but John basically told Carson, like, this is what you have to do to be get to get better. And I don't know that Carson just listens to just anybody. He doesn't. And he's a little stubborn like that. I mean, you've heard Doug say certain things in the press, and then yep. Carson will come back and he'll he'll refute that. You know, and it it feels like friction, you know, at times. And then there's just there just has to there just has to come a point when you have to play relaxed. You you just you can't just be so uptight and try to force everything like try to because that's why he takes these monster hits. Like it just has to come a point when you know you're good enough, your arm is strong enough, you know what you're looking at. Just get rid of the ball, and there's got to be more timing and anticipation with his throws. And I wonder how much of his need to press is because of everything that's happened to him. I mean, sometimes when I look at Carson with the Eagles, I think torn ACL, fractured back, his backup won the Super Bowl in 17 and then brought his team to the playoffs in 18. I wonder if just too much has happened sometimes for Carson to succeed in Philadelphia. Not that he can't be a successful NFL player, but I, when you mentioned the pressing, and Carson's talked about it, that he he can he's aware of everything that's happened clearly, but also like he emotionally feels that. like He knows about kind of what he's up against. Sometimes I wonder if too much has happened and if he'll ever be able to not press. But I also wonder if him and Doug are a fit. I think Doug's offense requires stuff that Carson's not good at. Carson's not good at getting rid of the ball quick, and he's not good at uh, making quick decisions or accuracy, frankly. I mean, he just does not throw a very accurate pass. To me, he reminds me of kind of of Cam Newton in the way that He's a big guy that can move around and is just better on the run. Now, I think Cam probably throws a better, a better ball than Carson does. But if you don't have accuracy and you can't make quick decisions, I don't know if you can play in Doug's offense. And we know Doug's offense works because we saw Nick Foles lead this team to the Super Bowl with it. And we saw him have success last year when he came in. Well, look, I, I, I don't know that one offense is that much drastically different than another offense. I mean, you know, you got to convert third downs to stay on the field. And that falls on the quarterbacks. I mean, they've got statistics that measure that stuff. And he's way down, way down in that stat. I mean, third down is the big down in this league. And you want to try to be a running football team like the way they have tried to be, um, you're going to have to convert third downs. And they had a lot of manageable third downs last week. And accuracy is an issue. But I think a lot of it is, I just remember, like if you go back to 2017 in the run, they played against a lot of bad teams now that you look back on it. But regardless, yeah. he was having a lot of fun. It was. It doesn't look like it's fun right now. And when you watch, and like, wasn't fun for Brady on Sunday either. Like you can tell, he wasn't having any fun. But when you look at these quarterbacks um, that are having fun, like it's different. Like Dak is having fun. I mean, I know they lost the Minnesota game, and that's that wasn't fun. But you watch the guy go out there and play. He's in control. He knows what he's looking at. I mean, he threw a touchdown pass to Randall Cobb last week. And he looked left, and it wasn't there. And they they bracketed Jason Witten over the middle. And then he just threw a laser to Randall Cobb in the end zone between two safeties. It was a great play. You know, and you can't look at it enough. And, like, he just, you know, it's just joy. It's fun. 
And yeah. some of that comes from just being relaxed, you know, and you, you know what the defense is doing and you know, this play is going to beat them. And you're like, wow, we, we practice that this week and here it is. And you just have a smile on your face. If you feel the same way as an offense lineman, when you're just, you know, knocking guys off the line of scrimmage and the back is ripping eight yard runs off of you. I mean, there's a part of this game that has to be fun. And you can't just give a pep talk 10 minutes before you go out on the field going, let's go out and have some fun today. It's got to be fun all week long. And then when you get out there, it's you're taking the test and you know the answers to the test. And I, I don't get any of that when I watch Carson right now. It looks like it's a struggle. It doesn't look fun. He looks up tight. He's running off the field as soon as he makes an incompletion on third down. And I don't know what he's going to run to to go look at the pictures or like there's just got to be some. No, there's got to be some notion that you're in control. They got us on that play, but we're going to get them next play. And I don't get that right now. And I, I agree with everything you just said. And I think another word you could use to describe that is confidence. And I think that in 2017, and you see this with teams around the league now, like Lamar Jackson is confident. Whenever he mm-hmm. steps on that field, he knows he is he is that dude. He can go out and do whatever he wants. Jimmy Garoppolo, even with the Niners, I think is very confident. Like all these teams that are playing really well, the reason they're confident at this point of the season is because they've been winning. And in 2017, even though they were playing bad teams, the Eagles were confident. They were having, mm-hmm. you know, they were doing the electric slide. They were doing all these things. And Carson's never been able to get that confidence to me because he can't string together wins. Like they, they win two games and they'll lose one or they'll have mm-hmm. a really ugly win, but you still don't feel good about it. So mm-hmm. I think joy is correct. Carson needs to start having fun, but I just think he needs to have that confidence back. In 2017, I wrote there wasn't a single player I would trade him for. And Carson was probably viewed as one of the best quarterbacks in the league and definitely the best mm-hmm. young quarterback in the league. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's articles being written from with anonymous quotes from his teammates. There's legitimate discussion every day in Philadelphia about how good he is. So I think the mental part of the game really has to change for Carson. And it has to begin this week because if they mm-hmm. lose this if they lose to the Seahawks and they fall to five and six, yeah, the playoffs are alive, but this team is just they're not going anywhere right now. But the team that they are playing is going somewhere, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Russell Wilson, talk about a guy that deserves to have confidence, obviously for everything he's accomplished in this league over the years. But wh- why is he playing at such a high level now? Like Doug talked about it this week, how Russell's had really good years before, but he just seems to be at a different level right now. When you watch those Seahawks games, what do you see from him? Well, first of all, it's the second year in Brian Schottenheimer's offense. So, you know, last year was, it was, it was drastically different. I mean, they became a really a power, I mean, a power running football team without Russell Wilson leading the team in rushing. I mean, he had done that before. They got much better up front, more physical. The two new guards they brought in there are just massive people. I mean, they're better up front. Now, they lost their center. I don't know if he's going to be back or not yet. But but it, but regardless, they changed. Now, this connection he has with Tyler Lockett is one of the great connections in the league. Uh, Tyler Lockett is as frail and, I don't know, uh, um, uh, Give me a good word here, Elliot. You're a writer. Uh, you know, he's, just, he's a frail receiver as there is, and he's fearless. I mean, yeah. he was like that at Kansas State. You know, his father, his uncle, they, they're all the same. They're great football players. He doesn't drop a ball. Uh, you could count on the kid anywhere. When, when Russell breaks the pocket right now, I remember doing a film session uh, last year with Doug Baldwin when Doug was the go-to guy on third down. And there wasn't a corner in the league that could stop his crossover dribble and the way that he should separate. And he said, look, it was difficult playing with Russell. Because you couldn't see him, and he couldn't necessarily see you, and you didn't know if he was going to throw a ball on timing that he should, but he didn't, and then where he was going to go, and he learned to really learn how to play with Russell, because it's like nobody else. Nobody else, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, they're phenomenal players, but really nobody else plays the game like Russell Wilson. Nobody can pull Houdini's out of his hat like him. Nobody takes as few hits for as often as he scrambles in this league. Um, he is a championship slider. He, he's got a GPS system in his helmet. And when it comes time to being clutch, he defines what clutch is all about. And so mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter if it's fourth quarter, end of the second quarter, going in at halftime, you put the ball in that guy's hands. What you feel as a defender is it's never over. And that is a horrible feeling for defense 
Because it doesn't matter if it's fourth down and 20. Like, it's not over. And that's how he plays the game. It's never over. No matter what the score is, what the circumstances are, what the, he is absolutely as mentally tough as any player in the league. And I always think that, look, if you're going to be a great quarterback, you're going to be one of the toughest guys on the team. And his toughness is physical toughness, mental toughness, championship-level competitiveness. Like, he lives to compete. And his arm is elite. And he is just a magical player. Mm-hmm. Any any rational reason to think the Eagles can win this game? I mean, anything can happen on any given Sunday. That's why we love to watch. But I don't see any reason to think the Eagles can win this game. That's, I mean, they're, they're banged up. It's possible that they're not going to be without Lane Johnson. They're, they're probably not going to have Jordan Howard. Alshon might play, but he's not going to be 100%. Seahawks are clicking at another level right now. Any hope for Eagles fans out there, Baldy? Well, that's when you that's when a team is most dangerous. When it doesn't it looks so bleak, especially coming off what they just did. It looks so bleak. I mean, I have seen the Eagles team in this situation before, when you don't give them any kind of a chance and they find a way to win the game. And all of a sudden they're right back in it and the whole fan base is back in it. And you know, but it, it's gonna have to take the way that we have watched Russell Wilson this year ascend to probably him and Lamar as the MVP of this league. And that's without dispute. The way that Russell has played week in, week out at that level, that's how Carson has got to magically play. We have seen it. We have seen it in spurts at times, but that's how he has to play. Now, I don't know if he can relax enough I to know, do it. I know he won't. He won't play that way. I, I know the uh, the answer if he'll play that way on Sunday. We'll see, but I, I'm very confident yeah. he won't. So, look, I, I think it's going to be an interesting game. It always is with the Eagles. They always seem to find a, make the game interesting at very least. But I, I think we're talking about a Seahawks win here, and they're going to keep to ascend their way onto the top teams in the NFC. So coming up, Baldy and I are going to preview another big game for this Sunday. But first, we have a message for you guys. Hey everyone, Cody Decker here from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original. I played baseball for about a decade, and quite frankly, baseball did everything it could to try and steal away my hairline. Thanks to Hims, my hairline is coming back thicker and fuller than ever before. Forhims.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. This Black Friday, secure the best deal of all: a healthier, thicker hairline. No more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy line. Forhims connects you with real doctors online, which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. You answer a few quick questions online a doctor will review and they'll determine whether or not hims is right for you this thanksgiving when your relatives stay healthy and full they'll finally be talking about your hair and not the turkey try hims today by starting out a free online visit go to forhimscom slash swings that's f-o-r-h-i-m-s.com slash swings prescription products are subject to doctor's approval and require an online consultation with physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate this could cost you hundreds if you went in person to a doctor's office or pharmacy remember that's forhimscom slash swings. All right, welcome back, everybody. Baldy, let's talk about a game that one of the teams doesn't have any playoff implications, but a team in the Oakland Raiders, they're going to New York. They're going to play the Jets. Interesting matchup because the Raiders every week, like they're in the playoffs right now, which is wild to think coming into the year. I don't think many people viewed them as a playoff team, especially after they lost Antonio Bryant. But this is a playoff team right now. I want to talk to you about the Jets because we've certainly done our fair criticism of them. But they had a pretty good, uh, you know, they've been playing much better recently. But first, let's talk about the Raiders. How are they this good? I mean, is is it is it X's and O's? Are the skill are the skill players better than we thought? How are they a playoff team right now? Well, they're really well coached, really well coached. They have a, a fen- phenomenal rookie class, led by Josh Jacobs, um, Max Crosby, uh, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, you go through, uh, you know, Foster Moreau. You go through the whole list. They have a dominant offensive line, as good a run blocking offense line as there is in the NFL. Trent Brown is a perfect fit. Richie Incognito is a perfect Raider. Um, Colton Miller has improved. Uh, nobody would ever dispute what kind of player Rodney Hudson or Gabe Jackson are. Uh, Darren Waller is the breakout player of the year. I mean, all these things are under John Gruden's watch. Um, they're, I, they're one of my favorite teams to plug in and watch play. Because the, the thing that I love about them, Elliot, is they know exactly who they are. They they know exactly what their identity is. Now, Derek Carr has played well, but that's and, and that's that's good. 
He's cut his turnovers down from a year ago, 26 last year. He's had eight and 10 games this year. But they lined up last week against Cincinnati in I formation, two tight ends. And they basically just said, we're going to run right down your throats. And that's what they did. And they just, they don't get away from it. It's, they re- whenever they struggle, they reset and they get right back to it. Um, they're, they're really a tough football team. And these rookies, Max Crosby, I mean, these guys have really stepped up and developed. So coaching is going on. They have said, you know, the hell with Gary and Conley and some of these guys that they didn't draft. Let, let's move on. Let's put Trayvon mm-hmm. Mullen out there. Let's play our rookies. And, you know, let's, let's win. Some, they won three in a row. But this is their toughest test. They're a young team going all the way, Oakland to, to New York here, on a Friday, a lot of free time. How mature of a team are they? You know, the, the Jets are number one in the league against the run, and it's legit. Greg Williams did a phenomenal job coaching up guys that nobody knows. And so they're going to get a really good test. And Sam Darnold played probably his best game he's played as a pro last week. And whatever had happened this year, he and I talked to him yesterday for a little while. I mean, he expects to play really well this week, and not just this week, but he expects this team to be a competitive team from here on out. Is it is it as simple for the Jets as simply Sam Darnold being back? Because early in the year, we talked about they looked like the worst team in the league. They looked like one of the worst coach teams in the league. Last week, they beat a Washington team that's probably overtaken the Jets as the worst team in the league. I mean, they're a bit of a disaster right now. But the Jets scored 34 points. And score, scoring 34 points at FedEx Field with how gross that conditions are is never that easy. And then they beat the Jets the week before. I'm sorry, they beat the Giants the week before, and they scored 34 points in that game. Are the Jets just playing better now because they have Sam Darnold, or do you see Adam Gase making adjustments overall to help them? Well, they they kind of put their offensive line back together last week. Tommy Compton been kind of a journeyman at right guard. Uh, Jonathan Harrison was back at center for Khalil, and you know they got Kelvin Beecham back at left tackle, and they looked like a legitimate offensive line last week against a good Redskin front. Um, I, I thought Adam Gase called a really good game. And just spending around time around Adam Gates. Like, he is a very sharp offensive mind. He ran a lot of good plays. He's got a lot of weapons that are healthy right now. Robbie Anderson, uh, Demarius Thomas, uh, Jameson Crowder. Like, the tight ends are really good. Ryan Griffin. Like, they look legitimate. And the one guy that hasn't broken out yet, but I think he's getting ready to, is the running back, Le'Veon Bell. And he is, first of all, when you look at him, I mean, you know, maybe Derrick Henry is bigger, but there's not many running backs bigger than mm-hmm. and Bell. And he is, I talked to him yesterday. I just said, like, as many great years as you've had, this might be your best year. Like, every single play, he touches the ball. He literally is trying to make two or three guys miss and truck one other guy. Like, every time he touches it. And he hasn't, for one second, gotten discouraged, flipped anybody off, yelled at a coach, at an offensive line. I mean, like, he's in the battle. And I think... He's ready to break out. I told him yesterday, I said, you're going to get a 100-yard game soon. It's coming. You can see it. They're getting close. But I, I think they've weathered the, a really ugly storm, Elliot, an ugly storm with yeah. ugly losses. You saw them against the Eagles with Luke Falk, ugly against Jacksonville, ugly against the Dolphins getting their first win. But I think they've weathered it. And just being around them, there is a, a good vibe there. There really is. Greg Williams can flat-out coach. Everywhere he goes, there's a good defense. Um they, they found some young corners that look like they can actually cover. So it's a great test all the way around. It's going to be a fun game to watch and analyze. Well, I'm happy to hear that about Le'Veon Bell because he is on my fantasy team. So <laughs> I'm very happy to hear he's about to break yeah. out. Uh, I think we're probably both going to pick the Raiders in this one. I mean, I'm picking the Raiders. You think it's going to be a, a bit closer of a game? You going with the Jets? I love the Raiders. I love everything about them um, and the way that they're playing and developing. But I think this is just – a hornet's nest that they're coming into. I don't think they know. I don't know if they know it or not. I'm sure Gruden has prepped him well. But I think this is a game the Jets can win. I'm going to take the Jets in it. All right, so another guy on my fantasy team, Lamar Jackson, he's going to, to uh, Los Angeles week. They're going to play the Rams. I think at this point we know what what the uh, what the Ravens are and what they're going to give us. They play, they play at a high level every week. Lamar plays at a high level. Their defense is playing great. So I don't think there's a ton of questions there. But what we do know is that it's going to take a really good game from the Rams to make this a competitive matchup. And I just don't know if the Rams have it in them. I mean, they, they beat the Bears last week, but I didn't think that was a very strong performance from them. 
What's going on with the Rams? Is it Jared Goff? Is it is it defenses adjusting to the scheme of their offense? Like, what do you see from the Rams? Well, they had a lot of injuries, you know, in the offensive line. They've had two new starters to start the season at center and left guard, and they're out, and they've been replaced. Uh, there's no Brandon Cooks, which is a, a real speed element that they miss. Yep. Um, but really, the scheme, it it doesn't feel special anymore. It doesn't feel like they get explosive plays off their play action the way they once did. Um, Cooper Cup looks like he's more of a blocker now than he is a really receiving threat. And he is a great route runner, and he's got a great set of hands. But you just – I mean, even though Todd Gurley had the best game he's had all year, um, and they ran the ball pretty good last week, like it still doesn't feel like it did the first two years with Sean McVay. They're going up – this Ravens – secondary right now and what they did to Houston it was there's not a secondary that can match up the way they can right now when you look at what Marcus Peters is and how he fits with Jimmy Graham and Brandon Carr and Marlon Humphrey and Earl Thomas and that defensive coordinator Wink Martindale and how he can scheme you know the front they're a handful for anybody and they will be for the Rams yeah, so I think the Ravens win this one. I think they win it pretty easily. The fact that uh, I believe that this is a primetime game. Yeah, Monday night. Again, I think this adds to Lamar Jackson's MVP uh, candidacy. I think he's going to ultimately win the award, him or uh, him or Russell Wilson. But I think unless Lamar gets gets hurt, you're looking at a, a, an MVP there for him. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. You picking the Ravens as well? Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Ravens. Picking I'm, the Ravens. I'll, go, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some points for this one too, but I – I'll take the Ravens in this. I, I just like everything about this team and the way that they're playing right now. They look to me like the most complete team in football. And if the Rams lose this one, they fall to six and five. Um, currently, they're the top team out of the NFC playoff picture. But if they lose this one, they're six and five. Assuming the Eagles lose, they would still be ahead of them. But at this point, the playoff picture starting to really kind of clear up because when you look right now, there's five teams competing for two spots in the NFC. Uh, but I think that the the Vikings and Seahawks have kind of um, they've distanced themselves from the other teams. And then the same in the AFC. You have the Raiders surprisingly in there and then the Buffalo Bills. So definitely going to be some good games next week for us to talk about more games with more playoff implications. So, Baldy, I look forward to uh, breaking breaking down it with you next week on the Prevent Defense podcast. Elliot, it was a lot of fun, and I do too. So, um, look, we'll we'll get one of these in before Thanksgiving next week. So we'll have a chance to really recap week 12 here early next week. Absolutely, and I can't imagine a holiday my man loves more than Thanksgiving with football and all that delicious food. So I know you'll be loving it, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you guys next week. <laughs>